0: John 13, we've been looking this last Sunday of Advent, our theme is this idea of God with us, we've looked at God in front of us, leading us, God behind us, protecting us, last week David Scott looked at God next to us, walking with us, today we're going to look at God beneath us, serving us, I don't know how that sits with you, this idea of God serving us, it's been pretty difficult for me to get my head around uh, this week, in the Old Testament we don't see a whole lot of God serving us, it's muted, it's... uh, in the background, we really see this coming to the forefront with Jesus. When Jesus steps on the scene, we see him coming and taking the posture of a servant, and it's one of the reasons he was so misunderstood. The Jew, the Jews, and their leaders were looking for a Messiah. They were looking for a king. They were looking for someone who would be out front, really a, a warrior. And when Jesus comes and says, "I'm that guy," but I'm serving, they don't, they can't get their head around both of those things, particularly when uh, his life led to his suffering and his death. They can't put those things together. And so looking at this story in John 13, it's the iconic picture of Jesus as a servant. We'll look at this in three sections. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress You're eating, and whoever the head of that group is, if it's your dad or your grandmother, whoever that person is, sits at the head of the table, says a blessing, whatever. Halfway through the meal, they stand up, go to the sink, get a pitcher, fill it up with water, get a bowl, get a towel, and then they come and they kneel at your feet. You're first in line. They take off your shoes. They take off your socks. They put your feet in the bowl. And they pour some water on your feet. Then with their hands, they rub your feet, clean them. Then they dry them with a the towel, put your socks back on, and put your shoes back on. They move to the next person, and the next person, and the next person. It's a showstopper. You're not eating anymore when that happens. You're not eating, and you're not talking. You're going, "What? what is going on here? Many of us would probably be like, I, I don't know. No, this isn't. Right, It's not appropriate. Let me help you. Let me do this for you. That's what's going on here. In the middle of the meal, Jesus, the recognized leader of this group, goes and gets a towel and begins to wash his disciples' feet. Two meanings. One is uh, spiritual. It's a deeper meaning. And the other is more overt. And it's a practical meaning. You can't get the practical until you get the spiritual. The spiritual comes first. It's foundational for the practical. We can jump immediately to, oh, Jesus wants me to serve others But until you get the spiritual peace, your service to others doesn't really do any good. Verse 6, here's the deeper meaning. Jesus came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who've had a bath, and only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you, for he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. So there's no shower in your house. If you want to take a bath, you go to the public bathhouse. So you go to the public bathhouse, and you take a bath there. And when you leave, you're clean. But the roads are all dirt. So on the way from your bathhouse back to your house... Your feet get dirty. The rest of you doesn't get dirty, but your feet get dirty. You wear sandals, and the roads are dusty. And so when you get home, in order to be clean, all you have to do is wash your feet again. You don't have to take a full bath. You just had one. All you need to do is wash your feet, and then you're completely clean. The picture there for us, Jesus is saying to Peter, what I'm doing, this is foreshadowing. This is symbolic. You're not going to understand this now, and they didn't. You're not going to get this now, but you will get it later. What I'm going to do for you later, my death and my resurrection, that makes you clean. 1 John 1.7, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all of our sins. When you say yes to Jesus, when you put your faith and your trust in him, according to 2 Corinthians, you become a new creation. The Bible says God removes our sins as far as the east is from the west. This God who knows everything somehow forgets our sins. Think about that. The God who knows everything forgets your sins. That's how powerful the blood is of Jesus is. What he's saying to Peter is, you don't understand this now, but you will in a few days. And what you're going to understand is through my death and resurrection, you're clean. You've gone to the bathhouse and I've washed you. The Bible talks about us being pure, about us being holy. That those things are true for us, without stain, without blemish, without wrinkle, that's us in Christ. When I recognize I've sinned, I've fallen short of the glory of God, and there's nothing I can do about it. My debt is too big. I can't pay it off. I can't scrub hard enough to get clean. When I recognize that and I turn to God and say, I'm, I'm done. I'm at the end of myself. I'm at the end of my rope. I recognize that I'm a wreck. I recognize my brokenness and my sinfulness before you. And I know there's nothing that I can do to fix it. Help. That's when Jesus pours his blood out upon us. And in faith, we're made clean. But we all, we continue, many of you prayed that prayer. You said yes to Jesus at some point in your life. But we continue to live and we continue to sin. We still struggle with our sinful nature. We continue to live independent of God. That's really the definition of sin. It's living independent of God. We continue to make choices that are not independence upon him. We make the choices that we want to make, not the things that he's asking of us. We don't live a life of faith and trust in him. We take matters into our own hands. And as we do that, our feet get dirty. And when our feet get dirty, the solution is not to get baptized again. It's not, we don't have to weep and wail. We don't have to invite Jesus into our heart again. We're not starting back over at square one. What we do is we confess and we repent. It's this discipline of saying, God, I recognize today I blew it here and here. I did this and I shouldn't have, and I didn't do that and I should. In this place, I gave into my flesh. In this place, I was selfish. In this place, I lived independent of you. I confess that to you, and I repent. I acknowledge that was wrong, and I'm going to turn in a different direction. And I pray that you'd forgive me. And he does. God's faithful and just. He forgives the sins as we confess them. That's what, that's what Jesus is talking about. Later, Peter, I'm going to do this. You're going to put your faith and trust in me, and you're going to be washed clean. And as you continue to live your life in this world, your feet are going to get dirty. You don't have to start all all the way back over at square one. What you need to do is just confess and repent. Let that be a regular part of your life, and I'll come and I'll wash your feet again. That's the deeper meaning. We have to get that. Until we allow Jesus to serve us like that, we're not in a position to serve anyone else. One of the things that's been difficult for me, when I think of serve, service, and servant, I either think of a butler in England or I think of someone at a restaurant. The, the server comes to me and says, what do you want? And I say, this is what I want. And if it's with me, it's a high-maintenance order. I don't want this. I don't want that. Give me double of this. And then they go and tell the kitchen, and then they bring it out. And if it's not right, you either send it back or you complain or you dock their tip or something like that. And it's difficult for me to see Jesus in that role. Is that really what it means for him to come and serve us? He's like the waiter, and he comes to the table and he asks for what I want, and I give him my special order, and if he doesn't get it right, then he doesn't get his tip. Not at all. When we say Jesus, when Jesus serves us, and he says in Mark 10, 45, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. When you hear him say that, don't hear him saying, I didn't come to Be served, but to wait on you. Hear him say, I didn't come to be served. I came to do something helpful to, useful for you. That's what service is. I'm doing something that's helpful to you. I'm doing something that's useful for you. Namely, I'm giving my life as a ransom for many. This is Isaiah 52. You don't have to flip there. It'll be on the screen. This is a Good Friday passage, but it's a picture of what it means for Jesus to come as a servant. See, my servant, this is God talking, so see, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. Just as there were many who were appalled at my servant, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being and his form marred beyond human likeness, so will my servant sprinkle many nations, and kings will shut their mouths because of him. For what they were not told they will see, and what they have not heard they will understand. Who has believed our message And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? My servant grew up like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. My servant was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, my servant was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely my servant took up our pain. He bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on his servant the iniquity of us all. This servant was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, yet who of his generation protested? He was cut off from the land of the living, and for the transgression of my people he was punished. This servant was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush his servant and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his servant's life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After this servant has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, or by knowledge of him, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. The servant bore the sins of many and made intercession for the transgressors. That's what it means for when Jesus says, I came not to be served, but to serve. That's what he means. I came to serve in this way. I'm giving my life as a ransom for many. I recognize that there's a debt that you owe, that I owe, because of the gravity of my sin, both the weight of my sin and the amount of my sin. The pile is huge, and I'm never going to be able to pay that off. And he says, I'm going to do something helpful to you and useful for you. I'm going to pay it. I'm going to come and live and I'm going to come and suffer, and I'm going to come and die, and I'm going to come and be, and rise again in order to pay the debt you can't owe. That, that's the debt that you owe that you can never pay. That's the useful thing. That's the helpful thing. He's taking us from death into life. He's ransoming us. We're captive to sin and to Satan and to death. And he says, I'm going to pay to set you free. That's the helpful and the useful thing that he does for us. Until you allow him to do that for you, you're not in any position to do anything for anyone else. Why? Because you're dead. And dead people don't do much. He comes to give us life. We have to get to a spot where we can say, Jesus, I'm going to let you serve me in this way. I'm going to let you wash me clean once and for all when I turn my life over to you, and every time my feet get dirty, I'm going to let you wash them as well. Paul talks about beginning in the Spirit and then continuing in our flesh. That's saying, Jesus, I recognize that initially it's your grace that that saves me. It's your grace that adopts me into the family of God. But ongoing, it's me. And so when I mess up, after I've said yes to you, when I sin as a Christian, I'm going to clean my own feet. I'm going to make it right. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to balance the scales in some way. You can't do that. He washes us once, and he continues to wash our feet. And we've got to get to a place where we can allow him to do that. The, uh, there's a cell group it was. It's Bucky and Susan Smith's cell group. Many of you know them, and no offense. it's filled with many of the older people in our congregation. They had us over, me and Misty and the staff and uh, their spouses. It was good. We cooked out and everything. And then they lined up these chairs out on their deck. And I thought, "Uh, where's this going? And they had me sit in the first chair. And there's a guy. He's got to be 87 years old. I think that's how old he is. And he comes up to me. And he's got a towel. And he's got a bowl. And he's got some water. And he kneels down. He starts untying my shoe. And these are the shoes I walk to work in. Misty won't even let me bring them in the house. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Hopefully your nose is not sensitive when you're 87 years old. So he's <laughs> taking off my shoes, and he's taken off my socks, and then he washes my feet with his hands, then he puts my socks back on, he puts my shoes back on, his hands are shaking so much he can't even tie the knot. And I've got to help him stand up because of his age. Difficult to sit there and let somebody else wash your feet. For many of us, even with Jesus, difficult to sit there, and let him wash our feet. We want to say like Peter, not mine either because we want to contribute, which many of us do. We're raised in a society that says no handouts. Work for what you you work for what you get. Contribute something, pay something. God, you're 90%, let me give you my 10. Let me do something to contribute. And what he says is no, you can't. That in and of itself is a sin. That's pride. That says I'm disagreeing with God. Jesus says I came to serve you. And we say not me. You don't get to wash my feet. Some of us we just don't think we deserve it. I'm not. No. Who am I to let him wash my feet? He's my king. He is your king. And he's your king who came to serve. You have to let him. And you don't deserve it. That's why it's a gift. If you deserved it, it wouldn't be grace. It would be what, you, what you're owed, what you've earned. It would be your wages. But it's a gift. Many of you, you're going to give gifts on Thursday. You're not going to give them because people owe you. You're going to give them either because you love somebody or you pulled their name out of a hat. But you're going to give these people <laughs> gifts. Not because it's not a gift if you owe them. You'll get a, some of you will get a Christmas bonus. That's different from your paycheck. Your paycheck is what you earned. Your bonus is a gift. We've got to get to a spot where we can say, Jesus, I recognize I can't wash myself. I'm going to let you do that for me. And I'm going to sit here every time I get dirty, and I'm going to let you wash my feet. For some of you, it is incredibly difficult. Your nature, as soon as you blow it, is to try to fix it. I'm not just talking about fixing it among us. I'm talking about fixing it this way. I've got to pray more. I've got to read more. I'm going to fast. I'm going to make sure I don't miss church or my small group. I'm going to help more old ladies cross the street. You've tried to figure out how to balance the scale. You can't do that. That, again, in and of itself is a sin. Because you're not allowing him to do what he said he came to do, which is serve you. For some of us, again, we just push back. I'm not worthy of that. Let me get everything straightened up first. Let me clean some things up. Let me line some things up. Let me figure some things out. And then I'll let him come and wash me. Doesn't work that way either. Got to get to a spot again where we're willing to allow him to serve us. Verse 12. When Jesus had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. You understand what I've done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that's what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I've done. Very truly, I tell you, no servant's greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. So this deeper spiritual meaning is Jesus comes to serve us. How does he serve us? By being a ransom for our sins. He forgives us of our sins, pays a debt that we owe, that we could never pay. Then once we allow him to do that, then we're free to follow his example and serve others. That's the more practical, overt meaning here. I did this for y'all. You recognize, disciples, I'm at the top of the pyramid here. You recognize I'm the Messiah, I'm the Christ, I'm the Son of God. Y'all know that. And I'm taking the posture of a servant. Y'all need to do the same thing towards one another. Those guys probably wouldn't have had any issue washing Jesus' feet. I bet every one of them would have done it. Their issue was washing one another's feet. None of them would have done it. If you go back and read Mark 10, right before Jesus says, I haven't come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many, that's the last statement that he makes in this exchange between two guys, James and John. And they're saying, hey, we get that you're a king. And so you're entering Jerusalem. We think that means you're about to Lay claim to this kingdom. So when you do that, I want to sit on your right and I want my brother to sit on your left. We want these positions of honor. And that's when he says, y'all don't get it at all. You don't understand anything I'm talking about. I'm a king, but it's not like that. Gentiles. Those are the ones that lord it over people who they rule. That's not what I'm doing. If you want to be great, then you be a servant of all. If you want to be first, then you be last. You get as low as you can get. Even me. The son of man, I didn't come for y'all to wait on me. I didn't come for y'all to give stuff to me. I didn't come for y'all to do things for me. I came to do something helpful and useful for you to give my life as a ransom for many. Read Psalm 50. Very interesting psalm. God saying to the, to the Israelites, he says, I don't need anything that you've got. You're bringing me all these bulls. You're bringing me all these goats. You're bringing me all these sheep. That's wonderful. I asked for them. I don't need a one of them. The cattle on a thousand hills are mine. There is nothing that you can bring me that I need. The theological term is self-sufficient. God is self-sufficient. Everything that he needs, he has in and of himself. He's the only being in the universe who can say that. We're all contingent and dependent. He's completely self-sufficient. Everything that he needs, not just for surviving, but for thriving, he has among Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He doesn't need anything from us at all. We don't give him stuff that somehow adds to him. He comes to serve us. And he gives us the privilege of serving others. If you're going to serve others truly, there's some things that Jesus knew that you're going to have to know also. Some of you in the business world, servant leadership has been a buzzword for 10 years. Oftentimes, that's just kind of gussied up manipulation. I'm going to do this for you, and then you're going to do what I say. It's not service. It's manipulation. There's no... Quid pro quo with Jesus here. He's washing Judas's feet, who he knows is about to stab him in the back. You think about that. He washes the feet of someone who's about to betray him. It's selfless. Freely he's received. And freely he's giving. Three things that Jesus knew that you're going to have to know. He knew what time it was. He says, John says, he knew that the hour had come. And you need to know what time it is. And I do if we're going to serve freely. I need to recognize, according to Paul in 2 Corinthians, that today is the day of salvation. I live between the first and the second coming of Jesus, and every day that passes, I'm one day closer to the second coming of Jesus. And when he returns, the clock is it's all zeros. The, it's over. The door is closed. The window shut. Whatever your phrase is, that's reality. At that point, nobody's going to have an opportunity to respond to Jesus again. Whatever decisions they made up to that point will be finalized never to be changed. And so I recognize that right now, yes, I I live with an awareness that today is the day of salvation. I live with an awareness that, according to Jesus, the, the fields are white, that the harvest is plentiful, that there's people, billions and billions of people who need to hear the good news that there's a God who came to earth for them. I live with that. That's why I need to know what time it is. I need to recognize my situation. Jesus knew that the Father had placed all things under his feet. You need to know your position. Do you recognize and do you live out of the fact that you're a son and or daughter of the King? That you're a co-heir with Christ? That you're seated with Jesus in heavenly places? So I can serve because I know what time it is. And that sets priority for me. I recognize what really matters because I can see the clock ticking. And I can also serve because my identity and my worth and my value are secure. So I can take the last seat on the bus. I can do the most menial job. I can get overlooked. I can get stepped on. I can get stabbed in the back. Those things can happen because none of those things ultimately shake who I am. I'm still a son of the king. I'm still a co-heir with Christ. I'm still seated with him in heavenly places. So it doesn't matter if my boss notices me or not. It doesn't matter if I send a Christmas card to somebody and they don't, send it, they don't send me one back. It doesn't matter if I give someone a gift and it's not reciprocated. It doesn't matter if I do something nice and it's not acknowledged. Those things They don't shake me. I can truly give what I've received because my identity is secure. I know my position. And then the Bible says Jesus knew where he came from and where he was going. Put those things together. For us, I can serve because I know where my home is. I know that ultimately I'm a citizen of heaven. And so that determines for me reality. I'm just passing through here. And so, yes, I'll give myself to what's in front of me, but I don't hold on to anything so tightly that it becomes an idol because I know it's all going to burn anyway, which is not to be flippant. It's just a recognition of what's temporary and what's not. And so I'm free to give away what I've received because I'm not trying to build a kingdom here. My ultimate home is in heaven, and that's what I'm working towards. And so knowing those three things then frees me up to truly serve because I don't need anything from anybody. I can freely give what I have freely received, because I don't need anything. I know what time it is. I know my posture, my position before the Lord, and I know where my ultimate destination is. And if you can begin to get those things in your heart, it will allow you to serve. And I would say until you get those things into your heart, That most likely when you're doing something helpful to or useful for someone else, there's probably an ulterior motive there somewhere, even if it's buried down deep and you don't recognize it. We need to know those things heart-wise, not just head. We need to know those things in our heart if we're really going to serve others. Last thing, we were in um, Highlands, North Carolina. Misty and I were last week for a wedding and Brandon and Nancy were there. Brandon is one of my best friends, and he was there. It was his birthday on Sunday, and we just, we just happened to be in the same place at the same time. And I said, hey, let us take you to brunch for your birthday. And they said, sure, we can. And the, For me, it was a big deal. Brandon's is an administrative elder. He knows how much money I make, and he knows how much money he makes, and they're not the same, and so he makes more than me, in case you're wondering. But the <laughs> fact that he said, yeah, you can do that. Like that was, it's hard for us sometimes to receive. So we go, and he was so gracious in letting us bless him. He ordered three courses and a drink. So (laughs) he was all the way, not alcohol, he was all the way in. And he let us serve him, which actually requires a good deal of maturity to let somebody do something for you. And so then the check comes, and he doesn't grab it. He lets me take it. And I pull out my, which he's supposed to, and I pull out this debit card. I'd just gotten a new debit card on Friday, and so I'd called, and it, it worked. And I put it in the thing, and I gave it to the wait, the server. And then she brought it back, and she, I don't know if y'all have ever had this happen. Your card was declined. And I'm going, oh, my gosh. So luckily, I had another one. And so I gave, him the, I gave her that, and it went through, and he never said anything. Either he nor Nancy, they just let it go. They just said, oh, let us do this, or we got it, or don't worry. They didn't say one thing, didn't draw attention to it at all. And then we left and went our, in our way, and I called the bank and said, what's going on? And it turns out that they'd actually linked my debit card to my 15-year-old daughter's checking account. So we had bled her dry over the course of the weekend, and she, didn't, <laughs> she just didn't have enough money for lunch. So... For me, there's something, there are a couple of things there for me. One, that Brandon was willing to allow us to serve him. It's a big deal. And for some of you, that is not easy. For some of you to actually allow someone else to do something like that, you won't. You grab the check first. Or somebody does something for you, and you have this compulsion to you don't want to say consciously you're not trying to top, but that's what it comes off. They did this for me. I don't want to owe them. I don't. I'm going to. I'm going to do something back for them really quick. You can't just let somebody serve you. And the chances are, if you have difficulty letting people serve you, you have difficulty letting God serve you as well. And you need to think about that. If it's hard for you to let, if it's hard for you to sit there and let somebody else wash your feet. There's a heart piece there. And you need to work through that because if you won't let Tom Williams wash your feet, that's the guy who did it for me, then the chances are you're probably not going to let God either. There's a connection there for you. If that's difficult, I want to encourage you to really ask the Lord. It's not noble at all to be independent and say, I don't need other people. It's prideful. It's not... It's not noble. It's not, uh, it's not a sign of maturity to not allow other people to serve you. It's a sign of arrogance and independence. It's, just not, it's not real. It's not a reflection of reality. We're part of the body. And at some point, you're the part that needs to be served. And at some point, part, point you're the part that gets to serve. But we both have to play our parts or it doesn't work. Mary Davidson, that's our daughter, she didn't have enough money to buy lunch. But I did. And that's a picture for me. When it comes to serving others, I'm much more like her. I don't have enough. I don't have the resources. I don't have the time. I don't have the creativity. I don't have the patience. I don't have enough. But my father does. And if I link my service to his resources instead of mine, it opens up a whole new world of what that means. It goes beyond being nice to people. It goes beyond being kind. Then at that point, I'm doing something that truly is helpful to them and useful for them. Because it's connected to God and hopefully pointing them to him. And that's the most helpful and useful thing that I can do is to try to connect them to this one who loved them enough to serve them. Let's pray. There's multiple groups, and I want you to see if any of these resonate with you. First, if you're here this morning, and I know there's a handful of you who are, And you've never allowed Jesus to wash you. My prayer is that you would hear his invitation this morning. He doesn't say, don't worry about it. He doesn't minimize. He doesn't wink. What he says is, let me handle it. Is not manipulative, but I want y'all to know about the only time I ever cry is when I sense the Lord. And I think I've been called emotionally retarded multiple times. And I think that's one of the reasons it's that the Lord, when I get emotional, I think there's something to it because it's not my nature. And so again, I'm not trying to manipulate you, but what I, what I want you to hear in my emotion, it's not me because it'll in two seconds, it'll be gone. I want you to hear a Father in heaven, who sends his son. As a servant that we read about in Isaiah. To pay a debt. Your debt. That you can never pay. All because. He wants to be in a relationship with you. He wants to adopt you into his family as a son. Or as a daughter. That's what I want you to hear this morning. You can say no. But I want you to hear the invitation. For some of you, you've said yes to Jesus, but your feet are dirty. You've got some stuff, and you're hiding it. You're trying to take care of it on your own. It's like you you wrecked the car, and you're trying to see if there's any way of getting the dent out before your parents see it. You just need to come clean. You need to confess. You need to let him wash your feet this morning. You trying to handle it on your own, again, it's not noble, and it's not mature. It's prideful, and ultimately it's disobedient. He says, I came to do something helpful to and useful for you. Let me wash your feet. You need to sit there, and you need to let him wash your feet this morning. Your responsibility is to confess and repent, and he'll take it from there. For some of you, you're going to be in a position this week to serve people who you love. Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, the days after, and they're far from the Lord. They maybe are difficult for you, and you're going to have an opportunity to serve them. But in order to truly do that, you've got to know what time it and is. You've got to know where you stand, and you've got to know where you're going, and you've got to know where you came from. You just need to ask the Lord, God, sink me roots. Sink my roots deep. Give me grace to serve my fill-in-the-blank. And I want to make sure that I'm drawn on your resources and not mine. My card will be declined. And for some of you, you're the paralytic Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the story of a paralyzed man. Jesus is in the village. His friends know, hey, he can help our friend, but he can't get there. So they put him on a cot, and each guy takes a corner and they carry him over to this house where Jesus is, and they cut a hole in the roof and they lower him down. You're the paralyzed man. You keep saying you're fine, you're minimizing, it's okay. Will you today ask for help? Will you say, I'm the paralyzed man, and will you let us get you in front of Jesus? We are not going we can't fix your problem. All we can do is get you in front of the one who can. You need to come forward for prayer today. And that's what our ministry teams will do. That's all they're going to do is get you in front of Jesus and let him take it from there. So, God, my prayer for every man and woman in this room is we would know... If any of those things resonate, God, I do pray for any who have never said yes to you. I pray they wouldn't hear my voice, but they would hear you speaking clearly to their heart. They'll say yes or they'll say no, but I pray, God, that it would be you speaking to them in a way that they would understand. God, for those in this room who've said yes and their feet are dirty, God, I pray that they would allow you to come and wash their feet this morning. They wouldn't try to clean them up before anybody can see that they're dirty. They just let you do that work. God, I pray that you would empower those of us who will have opportunities to serve our family and our friends this week, particularly those who are far from you and who are difficult for us to love. Would you give us grace to serve them in a way that points them to you? And God, there are paralyzed ones here among us as well. That sounds dramatic, and so people say, that's not me. But there are needs here this morning. And God, I pray that those with needs would be willing to say, get me in front of Jesus. And then we'll let you do the rest. In your name that we pray. Amen. We're going to have ministry teams here up in the front. Again, we'll pray with you about anything that you have going on. Uh, Again, if you've got a need, there's an area where you need help, please come forward and allow us to get you in front of Jesus. And Bo will dismiss us when this song is over. You guys can stand.